Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Contract Revolution. This is Benji, and my guest on the show today is Tom Reber, host of the Contractor Fight podcast. You may have heard of him. He's a well-known guy in our space. Uh, Tom runs a program not unlike our beloved Breakthrough Academy. You could even make the case that he's a competitor of ours. But given how much we tell our own contractors to collaborate with competition and raise the entire industry, I figure we ought to practice what we preach. So we are. Tom is just a great guy with a message that I think you all should hear loud and clear. And today's conversation in particular is about a couple things. Why the role trades and construction plays in Western society is heavily underappreciated and what to do about that. Um, how we overestimate how much we can accomplish in a year, but underestimate what's possible in a decade. And lastly, how to make trades cool again in the eyes of our young people, our clients and ourselves. So let's dive in with Tom Reber. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Tom, it's good to see you, man. Welcome to Contractor Evolution. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so I thought we'd just start with like maybe a bit of a backstory on you, you know, like you're uh, a name and a face and a personality, like you're, you're a dude in this little space of ours. And uh, for our audience who may know you may not, I thought it'd just be good for kind of a warm up on like, what's the Tom Reber story to give it, give us the path that led you here. <laughs> You know, I, I've been, I was actually thinking a lot about that over the weekend, and it's kind of crazy how, um, I don't know if we've talked about it before privately, but how much we plan to do in a year versus what we're able to do in a decade. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've, I've been pretty blown away. I, I um, grew up in the painting trade, uh, did everything I could to get away from it. My dad was a tile guy and my uncle was a painter. Um, you know, I was a, a football player and this and that and, and grew up never wanting to be part of the trades and um, ended up out of the Marine Corps starting a, a painting business and ran that for uh, about 10 years and sold my half to my partner back in end of 2011, 2012. And, um, you know, had a really good run, but just just wanted to uh, have a bigger impact in the world. My family wanted to move out of out of Illinois where we were. And so we made that happen. And then um, I got this wild idea one day to start creating content, you know, to just hit record on a podcast. And and lo and behold, a few years later, you know, we're um, helping tens of thousands of contractors and their families all around the world uh, grow into elite business people. And really bring some respect back to them and the trades. And, um, you know, so I, like I said, I grew up outside of Chicago, uh, in and out of the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, had a, had a great run, man. It was, um, you know, it's just it's been crazy how many people that we can impact with these little microphones that we have. And, yeah, it is um, crazy, and that it is. You know, I know you know that too, because uh, you know, I your show and our show are, I think, the two top shows out there for contractors, and um, you know, consistently. And and I'm I'm just proud that we're we're helping so many people. So I, you know, I've been at this at this quite a while, and and uh, you know, look forward to continue doing it for many many more years, man. What, what about this space or your experience or your values or worldview? Like, why were you called to do this work? Hmm. Well, I've, I've always been a coach, you know, at, at heart. I've always wanted to impact people for the better. The power I had in my life with coaches, whether it's sports or business, was always highly impactful. And um, I want to leave a dent, you know, I, my number one thing that drives me every day is to have an impact. And so I, I saw the need, I knew the struggles that I had gone through and, um, and just, I think we can really make, um, massive impact in not just people's businesses, uh, to help them create a business that serves them, but also in their lives. You know, I, like I said earlier, everything in me wanted nothing to do with the trades growing up. Because quite frankly, the examples I saw in my life, you know, my every contractor I knew, every relative of mine that was a contractor, they were tired, dirty, and broke. Mm. And um, and so I, I ran from it. But um, I think when you change your perspective around what your role is as a contractor, as a business owner, um, you can really impact a lot of people. And that, that fit great with me because, like I said, I'm a coach at heart. You know, I coached high school football for 17 years. Um, and I love seeing uh, the light bulb go on in a young kid's eyes, you know, when when he uh, learned a new skill, not just on the field, but off the field, when he learned how to set a goal and he was able to fulfill that goal when it made his life better. So that's that's really why I'm here and why I do that. You uh, mentioned something a second ago, which just caught my ear, like I want to bring respect back to the trades. And I, I really feel that as well. Um do you think that the role that blue collar businesses, construction, painting, landscaping, roofing, various home services, you know, electricians, plumbers, like all, all like this, the list goes on. Do you do you think the role that we play in society is underappreciated? Massively, you know, I, I think take us away for a day or two, <laughs> you know, and I think you'll you'll feel. Um, a massive impact in society when when the blue collar guys and girls get out of there for a couple of days. And so, um, you, you know, I bring in respect goes all the way back to um, when I worked for my uncle. He's a painting contractor. And, you know, one of his clients who had been a 20 year client, it was a builder. They were building their own. He did all their work and they were building um, their own mansion. And she um, my uncle, his name is Roy. And this woman that had known him for 20 years um, needed to ask him a question. And she literally um, shouted across the room, uh, painter, oh, painter, come over here. And it just treated him like he was less than. And that always stuck with me. And, and I think that contributed why I wanted to get out of the trades. You know, as long as I can remember, I'm 53. People have been telling young people like me when I was growing up that the trades are just a good fallback option. It's good to know a trade and have something in case something better doesn't work out. And um, and so I've, I've really been on a mission to help, 
you know, men and women look in the mirror and be proud of who they are and what they're building and how they're showing up each day. Um, you know, because you know, you're not going to get the respect of the outside world and change that message to the outside world uh, without first respecting yourself. And for many years, I didn't res- respect myself when I was in the trades. Where do you think that comes from, that messaging around this where, you know, you just said it, uh, it you, you're taught it's a good fallback option. There's this weird sort of um, idea that this is something that you do if you weren't smart enough or good enough to get into something better or create a, mm-hmm. you know, a more, a more white collar opportunity for yourself. You like, so that, that's, that's the narrative, let's say, that's been mm-hmm. built around this and sort of peddled mm-hmm. for a couple decades in, in my experience. Um, because you're, you know, you're 53. I just turned 30. So that's at least 23 years where that's been mm-hmm. said. Cause I, I got it and you got it. So it's, it's been around yeah. for a while, but the thing is, man, it's, it's fucking bullshit. Like all, like yeah. most of the, the most successful people that I know, and maybe this is my bubble and I get that this is anecdotal and just my experience. Like some of the most successful people that I know are from very, very blue collar backgrounds, blue collar mm-hmm. uh, families. They've worked their way from uh, a labor to a skilled trade, to a project manager, to a something else, to a something else. Now they own their own business and have been wildly, wildly successful. And more importantly, they're having a ton of fun doing it. So yeah. my, so back to my question, where like, where does this sort of like nonsense narrative come from in the first place? Do you, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there's, there's, potentially multiple reasons. I think the one of the first reasons that I think colleges did a phenomenal job of marketing, you know, that you can't be successful in life if you're, you know, if you don't have a college degree and you don't have a white collar job. And traditionally, you know, tradespeople are working in the homes of other white or of white collar people. Mm. And so, you know, I think that's just one of those hierarchical things that, you know, hey, we're they're the haves and we're the have nots and we're here to serve them. So I think you know, the, the college industry, I think the messaging in schools has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, not once did a guidance counselor ever talk to me about the trades. It was always college. What are you going to do to get into school? Um, and then I think on the trade side, I think contractor business owners don't do a very good job of building the type of company that is built on a strong brand that shows that you can have a future in this, that you could work up that ladder that you just shared a minute ago. Um, you know, it's everybody I knew was going to work construction in the summers or something to make money for college or whatever. But I don't I can't think of one person I knew that that was really what they wanted to do uh, and had a real success plan in place. I, You know, growing up, I never saw like a career path in that. So I think, you know, that that's a massive um, responsibility of the home improvement industry, contracting industry as a whole is to build the type of company that you don't first see yourself, you know, like if you're a carpenter and you start a business, the day you start your business, you don't get to be a carpenter anymore. You're a business owner. And that that just, re- there's different requirements to do that. And if you wanna be a one, two man company, five man company and chip away and work at the field and that makes you happy, then so be it. But you gotta tell yourself the truth. If you really wanna build a company that has a future, then you have to you have to show up like a true um, business owner, embrace the the roles and responsibilities that come with that. And one of those things is, you know, building an amazing culture and career path for people and and making it cool to come into the trades. Um, 
So you touched on a couple of things. The, the the school system has done a great job marketing themselves and <laughs> and uh, you know poo pooing our little world over here. I'd make the a couple other things I'd add to that would be you know I think the the it's not being talked about enough in the family unit like at home and it should be. You could make the case that technology, mm-hmm. specifically social media platforms, have maybe veered the attention of young people away mm-hmm. from this and into other things. Um, uh, so, so, so the, the list goes on. I I'm curious. The one, the other thing you mentioned is on the side of the, the business owner, they've maybe not done such a great job fixing this for themselves. You know, you, you have a broad perspective with how many businesses you work with. What are some of the main gaps that you see entrepreneurs having when it comes to, um, not first like building the opportunity, but I think more importantly, like communicating the opportunity to that talent market, to young people, um, so that this this isn't such an issue for them. Are there some are there some dots they're not connecting, some skills they don't have, some some knowledge gaps that you see that make this particularly challenging? Yeah, well, the the contractor fight um, is the fight between our ears, and I think everything starts with that. You know, just how you see yourself. Um, do I know who I am? Do I know what success looks like to me? I, I, one of the biggest things I see people struggle with is they don't get clarity around who they are and what they really want. And um, I think that's where a lot of this starts. But, you know, tactically speaking, those skills you're talking about, um, and this, I guess, comes back to your identity as a, um, or your role as a business owner, your number one job is to is to build your brand and market and sell stuff, you yeah. know. Um, and we can put in things like you know guide the vision in the company and those types of things and leadership, and which is all, all there. But I I think a lot of people still see themselves as a tradesperson and they don't they're not, they're not playing the long game with what it's going to take to truly build a company that's going to be attractive to re- recruit people into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of um make like you know make trades cool again came up a ton at this so i was just at our our winter summit last week we were in cancun actually outside of cancun we're in tulum we had almost 400 uh people at this amazing event all entrepreneurs in trades and construction got together uh we did a day of strategic planning had some keynote speakers some breakouts just a really really fun few days good mix of business and 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 uh and relaxing time and but this idea you just brought up kind of floated around the conference in conversation after conversation a few of the speakers brought it up it's like how do we make trades cool again um and I, I wondered if we could maybe just like explore that idea together. Like, you know, what are some of the things that you're talking to your group, your membership about when it comes to this exact idea? Because this is we do need to write this ship like the buildings need to be built. The lawns need to be mowed. Things need to be maintained. We like you said, like try, try doing, try, try doing anything. Take us away for a few days and see what happens. Like we do, we do need to sort of like, uh, you know, increase supply so that it meets mm-hmm. demand which is going up do you have thoughts on this that that uh that your your group finds really resonant with them yeah um probably the most common thing that comes out of my mouth and our and our coaching team's mouth is the importance of being the example uh, as the as the leader of your business um you know would you want to work for you would you want to hang out with you would you 
want the life that you have as a contractor. That's why we spend so much time in the fight um, on relationships and your marriage. Um, you know, our, our events, spouses are half price because we believe it's that important for your spouse to be there with you if they choose to be. And, and um, that's why, you know, you'll see if you, if you go follow me on Instagram or anything like that, most of my posts, um, there's a lot of business stuff there, but there's a ton of stuff about my life and my marriage with the queen and just, you know, how we choose to show up and, and our, our health. And um, I didn't want to go, if I reverse engineer this all the way back to why I didn't want to go into the trades, I saw crappy examples right. of what it meant to be in the trades. And so I'm, I'm always in people's grill about this going, you need to be the example because um, you're going to attract what you are and who you are. And so I think a lot of people, they set these goals and they want to build a company, but they, they overlook the importance of that personal example and, um, and showing up consistently in just with excellence in everything that you do. And that's not the typical connotation somebody has when they think of a contractor. Mm-hmm. You know, they think of somebody who's out of shape, who's undisciplined, doesn't have any money. Um, they're unreliable and all these different things. So you want to attract better people for your business, be the example. You want to attract better clients, be the example. I think that example thing is uh, really powerful. Like, but so what you just said, you know, is changing very, very quickly. I don't think that this, I don't think that that notion in the mind's eye of um, society is lasting very long. You know, on the note of examples, my granddad, Pete, like brilliant, brilliant guy, like, you know, very, very, very smart, very skilled, skilled carpenter, uh, like an engineer's mind, although untrained, um, really struggled mm-hmm. with addiction his whole life. Uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things we always remember for this guy was so genius. He literally drew up this is before AutoCAD, drew up the schematics for an ice sailor and built these, there's three of them. I actually still have them. They exist still. (laughs) I could sail across ice. So just like a really brilliant mind, but was never able to channel it into anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like uh, worked on a gravel pit for many years, worked odd jobs, struggled with alcohol, felt a lot of shame about it, ended up with dementia. um, And, and, you know, we obviously supported him and I was there when, when he passed away, but, but, died impoverished. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's the archetypal old school contractor sort of story. And what I find exciting about 2023, the time that we're in right now is there's just a whole, there's this huge swing to the other direction where you have, uh, you know, men and women who are building their business, building themselves. They're using that bills business to fund real estate deals. They're using those real estate deals to fund new businesses we're going from this sort of like tired and dirty and, and poor version to like uh, co- the complete opposite, the complete, really mm-hmm. interesting, dynamic, growing businesses um, that I think is is just, and it, I don't know, it's just, it's an, it, it's an exciting thing to, to bear witness to. When you think about like leading by example, what role does technology play in that? Is there a way to maybe amplify that scene, that picture that image that we're really proud of because we've built it for ourselves. is there a way to like amplify that to the masses so that it gets seen more broadly it gets talked about uh, talked about more broadly and 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 we kind of like keep you know to use your we 
to keep your to, to use your terminology, we keep fighting this fight. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, technology has been a beautiful thing when it comes to building your brand. I think not a lot, not an, not as many, or not enough contractors are using social media to tell stories. Um, you, you know, if you and if you want to look at who's done that really well, look at like the home improvement shows on HGTV and stuff. No matter what you think of them, they've made home improvement cool. Right. And so how can you take some of those concepts in your own business and do a reality show on your company? You know, hire a full-time videographer, bring us in, talk to us about the problems, show us the expertise that you have. I think just, again, it's a marketing message, right? Like this is our expertise. Position yourself as an expert in your industry and you're going to leave those that choose not to do these types of things, you're going to leave them in the dust because people will be attracted to that. On the recruiting side, kind of the same thing. You know, you know, I had a painter who ran an ad uh, and I, he had a guy in the ad, it was a video, cutting and rolling a wall mm. and hardly got any applicants to this thing. And then he switched it, he, he got a drone, he put a spray gun in the dude's hand and they got all these cool different TV type angles with fast motion and stuff moving around and it made it just seem cooler than just cutting and rolling a wall all day. So I think technology is beautiful when it comes to being able to tell better stories about our business. I mean, if you think, if you're listening to this right now and you're, I don't know how many projects you've got under your belt, but it's probably hundreds, if not thousands for many of your listeners. Um, think of all the expertise, all the time in the woodshed you've put in growing your skill and getting better and being a shrink with your customers, being a, a mentor and a counselor and a coach to your employees. I mean, all the hats that you you need to wear mm. as a contractor business owner is pretty remarkable. And I think it's if more people understood what it takes to run a successful contracting business, um, the respect meter is going to go up a few few spots. I'll tell you what else. I'll tell you what else, Tom, that you just said, like what we do, broadly speaking, is highly visual already. Mm -hmm. So just lean into that. Like if you look at um, let's just use one example, a custom home build that goes Mm -hmm. from drawings, literally drawings to, um, you know, something that gets rendered and then maybe changed a little bit. And then, and then we like take it to the the real world and we're digging a foundation and we're pouring and we're forming and then we're creating the building envelope and then we're putting on the exterior, we're doing finishings, we're building a landscape around. I mean, that whole, that is a highly visual thing. If you just times time lapse that whole, that whole thing, that is like the most viral TikTok on TikTok right now. You know what I mean? Like what we do is already very catered, I think, to um, the modern thoughtosphere and what people find trendy and what people find engaging. So it's not like what we do isn't cool. It is. We've just maybe not, we've been a little bit slow to tell the story in a way that's bite-sized and consumable and, and people really love and want to share. And, but I, I tell you like, you know, we're getting into the content game now, as you can tell, mm-hmm. and like learning so yeah. much about it. What clips do well, what clips don't, how different platforms, how different platforms do. I'm t- I really think that you're going to see a huge surge back where if you get a few smart people who figure this out, some leaders in the space who uh, capitalize on the way things are going and lean into the visual aspect of this. I'm actually very optimistic about the next 10 to 20 years. There's problems to solve still, but I'm very optimistic about where our little world goes. 
Yeah, you know, you're talking about the home builders and, and going from drawings and renderings and to the completed project. Well, it even starts before that with an idea. It starts with, an, with a vision. So if you just, I'm thinking of a few builders right now and um, that I know, and then uh, a guy in the um, high-end landscape industry that I know that's in one of our programs, he, um, they'll interview, they'll bring a camera and they're interviewing when they're standing in the space and the homeowner, the wife is sharing her vision for this thing. And then within a one minute clip on Instagram, you'll go from that conversation to renderings, to, you know, equipment in the yard, yeah. to a time-lapse. You've seen this, we've, totally. we've all seen this stuff. And so um, it, it's because technology is at our fingertips, literally right now, um, I think this is an amazing opportunity to, I think, you know, talk about the role of a business owner, be a better storyteller. Yeah. Learn how to tell those stories. I mean, because every job that you do, say you do 100 projects this year, that's 100 opportunities that you could tell a story. That's 100 opportunities that you can differentiate between your competitors who are half your price or a quarter of your price. And so a lot of the justification, even in sales, can come from the stories that we tell because there's safety in a brand. And so the more you focus on building your brand and telling stories that connect with your ideal client, your ideal employee, for that matter, you know, why are we not creating content talking about, you know, interviewing your employee that has been with you 12 years that worked his way up through the ranks? I mean, right. you know, I know you're doing this, too, man, and we're both on the same page with this. So I just... Um, this comes back to the clarity piece I talked about earlier is really understanding who I am, where am I going to plant my flag um, and and showing up with that clarity every day and the consistency that it takes over the long haul to play the long game and um, and build the type of business that future employees want to be a part of and everyone in the damn neighborhood wants to use. Uh, on the note of like the role, like the role of a business owner, you say be a better storyteller. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I think it, uh, we are doing already, but unsung heroes for, is like really filling the role of that mentorship. Like I think one of the things mm -hmm. that I find really inspiring is when small business owners are are becoming father figures or mother figures. They're giving lessons. Uh, and teaching people in a way that the school system didn't or the family unit didn't. I think that's a very noble and important position that you all listening fill. And it's something to be taken seriously. And it's something to give yourself a pat on the back for because it's so incredibly needed in the world today. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just on final note on the technology thing, just this is like a very practical tip. One of the things that I see people doing really well with their Instagram pages is using it less as a marketing and branding tool for clients and way more as just a recruitment thing. I, the best Instagrams that I see are high resolution photos of the job site, making it look sexy and rugged and cool. It's celebratory mm -hmm. posts about employees who have finish their finish their apprenticeships or hit certain milestones and the entire thing is just a highlight reel of how cool the company is in terms of the work it performs and the team that it's built that I'm telling you will will move the needle when it comes to your little local world your followers mm -hmm. your town your city that you live in people will notice that um, and that, that's that's another little you know, feather in the cap of making trades cool again. Well, the guy, the, the landscaper I mentioned a minute ago, he um, he gets probably four to five people a year moving to Colorado here 
right. from other parts of the com- country because they see his stuff on Instagram and they want to be a part of that. Yeah. So to your point about using it as a recruiting tool is is huge. The, the other big thing here is, I guess, outside of technology, but you use technology to tell these stories, is how will my life be better if I choose to come be part of your team? You know, I think that's one of the things that is really low-hanging fruit for a business owner is, you know, you use the word mentor, guide, coach, whatever. You know, I think of my grandfather. When he wanted to teach me something in the garage, he, he was patient with me, he put his arm around me. He, you know, he let me make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. And when I made those mistakes, I wasn't in the doghouse. If you, again, if you pull back, the, I know there's always outliers here, but the average person doesn't have somebody that truly takes them under their wing in yeah. their life. Yeah. And if you can offer that, man, I am here to help you win more in life. Do you, if you're listening to this, if, if you can, do you know what your employees' number one goals for their lives are? I mean, just start with that. You know, we um, we would have vision day in one of my other companies many years ago where we would sit down our employees and go, what do you want to accomplish in your life this year? You know, we had one employee who wanted to take his wife to this uh, high end bed and breakfast outside of Chicago where our company was at the time. And and she always wanted to go there and he could never afford to do it. And you know, he was with our company a couple of years and we sat down for one of these conversations with him and he shared it with us and we helped re- we reverse engineered a plan for him, he was a crew leader. We reverse engineered a plan to make that happen in that calendar year. And he actually accomplished it in less than 90 days, yeah. you know, because, you know, we walked with him, we mentored him. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the longer I do this, run businesses and coach people, it comes down to truly being a people expert, yeah. a communication expert. Like, yeah, there's the math of business. That's the easy stuff, you know, but are you really just like you want to write an ad or, you know, um, market to get your ideal employee to, to see something, go, hey, that's me. Like they're opting into it. Right. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want your employees to. How don't just run an ad with a job description. And, you know, right. you know, how, you know, I, I um, one of our clients, um, they needed they do these big, massive half million dollar water features and they needed some people that had ex- really good experience in heavy equipment to join their team. You know, they just, they were scaling their business and they ran an ad. And I want to say the headline was something like um, equipment operators, colon, tired of your best work being buried. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, everybody wants, um, so talking about being a people excerpt, there's, there's a few fears that are universal. One of those fears that people have is they're going to be insignificant. Right. And so that creates a need in us as a leader to create significance and importance in the work that they do. And when you understand what's important to somebody, right, the platinum rule, treat others they, the way they want to be treated. I want to help. Did I make that guy's life better by take, him being able to take his wife to the bed and breakfast? Yes. This heavy equipment operator, is his life better now because he could drive around the town and see like all these years on a machine, he gets to build this beautiful stuff that makes people happy and brings joy to their life. And, and that, so he feels a sense of significance. Mm-hmm. Um, why would he ever leave that company? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a simple question, right? And it's, it's, it's this, what's in it for them? Mm-hmm. What's in it for them? All 100%. too often, we're kind of a little focused, a little myopic, a little tunnel visioned on what we need and what we want because we have a role to fill and a job to do. 
And of course that's important. And that's why you do an interview and a, a phone call and, and make wise, dis, make wise personnel decisions. But when you're looking about broadcasting an inspiring message that gets, uh, gets young people, new recruits, and your clients excited all at the same time. The answer, you, the question you need to be answering for yourself is is what's in it for them. And the answer is quite a lot. Yep. I just don't think mm -hmm. we connect the dots that well uh, quite often. We, and, it, and it's understandable because the average business owner, right? We have a we're, we have a lot of pressures. We got to get a sure. lot of things right, and and our attention can only go so many places. But uh, y you know, we have a. Um, I'm going to ask people to visualize them. I drop a rock in the lake where the rock hits. We call that get oxygen back to being the example. Take care of myself first. My mental health, my physical health, you know, just, you know, reading and listening to things like this. All right. So that I can hit the pavement every day when my feet hit the ground and I leave my home or whatever. I've done what I need to do to get oxygen for me. Well, then the next ring where that splash happens, we call your people. And in our world, it's, it starts with your spouse. If you have one, your significant other, your kids and your team. Okay. And then it comes to building your empire. And, and so we treat everything, you know, success we say is an inside out game. And, you know, on this people thing real quick, um, probably about 30 years ago now, 25, 30 years ago, I, I think it was the Harvard, Harvard did some study and I believe it was called the service profit chain. Hmm. And they talk about like everyone wants profit. And if you were, I do this in, in workshops I do and stuff where I'll, I'll um, there's all these steps. There's about nine steps to profit. We'll just keep it easy. And, and we all want the pot of gold at the end, right? And that's profit. If you say, if you pull a contracting group and you say, um, if you're not profitable, what do you need to do? Well, many of them will go, you got to do better work. Mm. Right. Or they'll go, you got to satisfy your customers and have loyal customers. And those things are incredibly important. But actually, it starts with strong leadership, mm. intentional culture, then employee satisfaction. Mm. And employee satisfaction doesn't mean you're kissing their butt. It means you're creating the type of environment where they can win if they choose to. OK, and that it, employee satisfaction looks like the guy with the bed and breakfast story that I told about. Employee satisfaction looks like significance. Mm. And so, again, success is an inside out game because the more that time and, and, and intentional leadership and love and care that you put into your people, I guarantee you that's going to trickle down to your customer base and you're building your brand and your reputation and happy, fulfilled uh, employees we know are going to do better work, which in turn satisfies our customers and creates loyal customers, which gets us to profit where it's recurring profit over and over. Yeah. So anyone right now that's like lacking in the profit department, I would just check yourself and just say, hey, how am I showing up, um, you know, being the leader I need to be, creating the culture I need to be and what my my people need of me in order for them to back to what we said before, what's in it for them? You've got a uh, a new book coming out. What is it? Why'd you write it? Yeah, um, it's it's called uh, Win the Moments. And it'd been rolling around in my head for a few years because, you know, you hop on social, you see all these memes and everybody wakes up, especially at the beginning of the year when they're setting goals and resolutions or like seize the day, win the day, all those types of things. And I'm like, well, how do you win the day? And um Back to my football coaching days. Well, how do you how do you how do you win a football game? You move the chains, 
right? You you win, you win just football geek talk here. You win on first down, right? You don't have a negative play on first down. You don't want to ever be in a second and long. And so, and that creates momentum. And so what does winning, uh, moving the chains look like? To me, it's, you can't win the day if you don't win the moments throughout the day. And I've done some a little bit of research and study on some of these psychology journals and things like that about how many decisions people need to make in a day that are of significance. And and the consensus is somewhere around 70 a day, mm. 70 decisions, you know? So if you wanna, um, if you wanna get in shape, you're gonna set the macro goal of losing 50 pounds this year, but the micro decisions you face every day are gonna get you closer or farther away from losing the 50 pounds. And so, you know, what are you doing in those macro moments, those macro decisions throughout the day? And that, and first, first of all, you got to be aware that those exist, right? If we set a sales goal right now, I want to grow my business by a million bucks this year, and that's all I ever do with it. And I'm not aware of what those moments require of me throughout the day, I'm going to have a much harder time hitting those goals. And so uh, we dig into what it really means to win the moments, how you'll be faced with um, field conditions that change. You know, you might, uh, you know, we're all, um, you know, if you're playing a football game and it rains for three weeks before the game and you're playing in seven inches of mud, those are different field conditions, but it doesn't opt you out and allow you to tap out of the goal that you have. Right. You just have to find a way to win, adjust to those circumstances. You know, back in the recession of the, the great recession, I guess we call it, um, you know, lead flow was cut in half for a while. It was pretty tough. Revenue was way down. Well, the, the goal was still the same. We still wanted to grow a business, keep our team together, and you have to adjust what's required of me in those moments of decision to keep the team together, to be the leader I need to be. Um, how can I market my business? And you know, one of the things I learned then was how, this is where my whole content journey has come from, is I learned really the power of content and inbound marketing when I didn't have a lot of money to spend on marketing and things like that. And I had, but I had a phone, I had a computer, I could write a blog or an article, I can, you know, over the years, video became a big thing. Um, there's always a way to win. And so Win the Moments was really, it, and it's not even a trade-specific book. It's more or less, you know, we all have this future version of ourselves that we want to um, fulfill, that we want to achieve. And let's be aware of the moments. Let's learn what it means to... Um, to stack those small insignificant moments throughout the day in our favor. Um, you know, back to the school thing a little, I mean, I was never really taught how to set goals. I wasn't taught about how to win the fight between my ear and those moments where, you know, you feel yourself going off the rails. And so the heart of it is that that's pretty much why I'm writing the book or I wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, my experience is that, writing the goals and picking the number mm -hmm. and getting excited is really the easy part. I hate to tell people, yeah. uh, yeah. what's hard is like the, to use your terminology, the moment to moment awareness of just like, you know, what I'm doing right now matters. Oh, there's a decision here. Do we go right or left? I need to be awake and alert and cognizant enough to do that. Um, pretty much seven days a week. We get these little moments mm -hmm. of respite and rest here and there. But I think that the, the, the moment like that is a, that's the, that's sort of the, that is the right size 
piece of time to look at. And I think that is what separates the high performers from the mm -hmm. all talk, but no walk crowd. It's just your ability to go second to second every day and do the right thing. Not every time, but hopefully a high percentage of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, I got a, I got a question I want to ask you right now. You, you mentioned, you know, we've, this theme has kind of been threaded throughout uh, what we do is not easy. It's noble and it's important and it's cool and it's getting cooler, but it's not easy. And there are, there are ch chapters of this journey, seasons even, sometimes they're years long, where it's mm -hmm. just hell. And I guarantee yeah. you there's someone listening right now who's having like the worst possible mm -hmm. week. A client has backed out and they don't have the job to fill up the mm -hmm. production schedule. A key person just quit. You know, <laughs> the family life is 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 chaotic. I guarantee you, there's someone in that situation right now. What is your kind of go-to advice for for entrepreneurs when they're in those zones, those really really challenging periods? Well, this is what I mean by how the field conditions change. Our conditions change, right? Um, maybe you're getting divorced. Maybe your top guy left. Maybe you know you're you just had a big project that was going to be on the books for eight or nine weeks and just disappeared. Um, don't get caught up in what happened. Get caught up in what do I personally have control over right now? What is required of me in this moment? Doesn't mean you can't be sad. Doesn't mean that doesn't bother you. Some things keep you up at night. But this also goes back, Benji, to why it's important to get oxygen every day, right? Your business is only going to be as strong as you are. So I encourage people to start with you, you know, make sure I'm strong, make sure I'm taking care of that circle like I talked about. Um, take care of my people because you can always start a new business. You can always get a freaking job. There's a, there's a lot of different things that you can do in your, in your life to earn a living. But you're, you know, you're not going to get a do-over raising your kids. You're not going to get a do-over with your body when you're 65 years old and you've been treating it like crap. And so take care of you first. That's number one. Um, get your eyes on, like I said, what is required of me? Who do I need to become in this moment right now? Um, and the question I ask myself is, what will my future self be most proud of right now? Hmm. in me. Okay. I have that business vision that I have. I have my family vision, my health, my relationships. Okay. That's one of the tactical things that I use several times a day because, you know, we all know success is inconvenient. Success doesn't give a shit how you feel. You know, um, I, I have an employee in, in, in our company, one of our companies now who's going through a lot of family stuff. And I'm like, dude, I care about you. I care how this is affecting you. I know it's hard. I've been through this too. However, you made a commitment to success and success doesn't give a shit how you feel. I care how you feel, but success doesn't. And it just takes what it takes. You know, um, one of my coaches is the mental toughness coach for Alabama football, a guy named Ben Newman. And, um, you know, he spends a ton of time with, with Nick Saban and pretty good football coach, pretty good leader. And, and, you know, Saban was quoted um, many years ago saying these kids come in and they think they have options, you know, but they, there's really no options because success takes what it takes. <laughs> OK, and that's so when he talks about trust the process, guys, just get back to the process. Just know that if I just keep showing up, controlling what I have control over, eventually the scoreboard is going to light up in my favor.
That is a promise. But many people at the first sign of distress, field conditions changing, or inconvenience or discomfort, they tap out. They look for opportunities to tap out. And that's where I go, were you really clear on what you wanted in the first place? And number two, are you in touch with the necessity of whether you accomplish that thing or not? Right? I mean, you and I, uh, I guess it was last week, had a little conversation around the power of necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, what's at stake if I don't show up in this moment right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when you can start, this is just, this is what mental toughness is. This is what's required of a leader, you know, and you can't, of course you care about the things that your people are going through, your family or you or whatever, but you know, like it or not, you signed up for this shit. So this <laughs> is what's required of you. I've, uh, in my dark moments, I, I always like those kind of like, clever questions to ask yourself mm-hmm. I, I i get a lot of utility out of them one of them that's been good for me is am i am i going to be complaining about this in five years and the answer mm-hmm. is inevitably no at no point you, know, you get you get family life stuff happens and you have some really suffer from suffer real losses and real traumas that's real but I, i'm talking in the business realm right now when things are really going sideways at if you th- ask yourself that question is this something that i'm still going to be like struggling with five years from now, inevitably the answer is no. You might be three months from now in a bad situation. You might you, know, you might have a lawsuit that lingers a couple of years, but very, very rarely is, is, is this thing going to be permanent. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're breathing life into it is only making it prolonged and, and, and more of a, uh, you're, you're creating more suffering for yourself over the short term. Now I got to ask you this. I didn't know that you were as big a football guy as you are. So it's Niners Eagles in the NFC. It's Bengals Chiefs in the AFC, but Patrick Mahomes has a sore ankle it looks like. So I need so who's going to the Super Bowl then who wins the Super Bowl? Gun to your head, money on the line, you just have to make some picks. Hi, it's uh and I would have said this with or without Mahomes uh in there is uh I think it's Bengals Niners and uh I have the Niners. And I, I've, I've watched the Niners play. They just happen to be on TV more often than other teams around here in Colorado Springs. And since early in the year, I've been like, there's just something about them. They, I, I don't know what it is. It's just a gut feeling. Um, I'm usually wrong, though, man. I'm terrible at picking winners. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, you know, they're they're four pretty good football teams and. You know, again, it, it's going to come down to who's going to win those moments. Okay. You know, and who's who's going to prepare. I'm going Bengals, Eagles. All right. And I'm going Bengals in a close one because Joe Burrow just has this look in his eye right now that is that is scary. Dude, he, has he is a on swagger one. right now that is, is off the charts, on man. On one. He, well, so so is that Purdy kid too. I mean, it, it, I, know, I was him. talking to the Queen last night. We were uh, away for the weekend and. We watched the game, and I said, man, he's Mr. Irrelevant in the draft, last pick. And if you would have told him on that day, hey, don't worry, man, you know, you're going you're gonna to be leading the team to the NFC Championship and a shot at the Super Bowl, um, it, it's crazy how things. You know, but to me, all right, here's a great example. This is a guy who controlled what he can control so that when his opportunity popped up, the dude was ready. Totally. And that's really what the elite and anything do, right? I mean, you just you prepare like you're playing. Totally. And, you know, you're, you, I don't care if you're the third string guy who was picked last in the draft. Like, get ready. 
There's nothing um, that I like more than a good than a good underdog story and someone yeah. that was overlooked and overlooked and overlooked and then finally had a moment and proved everyone wrong. There's nothing mm-hmm. that gets my heartstrings going like that. So Brock Purdy, if you're out there and you want to come on the Contractor <laughs> Evolution podcast, there's a spot for you. I'd love to pick your brain. Listen, yeah. let's uh let's leave it at that, man. It's been fun. Where where do people where do people connect with you? Uh, questions, if they have them, they want to follow your journey, where's the best place to do that? Yeah, the contractorfight.com is is the hub of everything. And if you're on Instagram, at Realtown Reber. Thanks, Tom. See you next time. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.